This message was presented through a partnership between GYC and GYC Europe at the 2012 conference in Linz, Austria. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. Okay, shall we start with a word of prayer? Would you like to stand with me? Our dear Lord, as we now yeah, dive into our topic, we ask you that you will bless us and that you will help us to to really understand how to do mission work through small groups because this is what you did when you were here on earth and we want to learn from you in order to be able to reach people that are so much on your heart today. Thank you for being with us here and thank you for blessing us in your precious name. Amen. <clears throat> I think that's fine, wherever you are. Yeah. If, if you want to just go to that corner, I think that's absolutely fine. Yes, I will. I will speak loud enough. If I don't, tell me. Yeah. Okay, we... How many of you have, have been involved in small groups before? How many of you already had a small group? Okay. How many of you already had a small group that, uh, that died after some time? Okay, welcome, me too. <laughs> um, today I would like to share uh, a few things about small groups with you um, that kind of have developed uh, at the mission school. Well, I've introduced myself. Um, I am, I'm a pastor in southern Germany uh, and uh, my main job is uh, the leadership of the Josiah Mission School. Maybe you have heard about the school. Uh, it's a school for evangelism that is run by our local conference, by the Baden-Württemberg Conference. Um, and we have been operating now for five years. We just uh, had graduation a few weeks ago. And so in September, we will start our, our, sixth, our sixth course. Yeah, so this school is about, uh, it's about Bible, it's about evangelism, and it's about medical missionary work. So we try to cover these different areas. And um, we have learned, we have learned from experience, we have learned from mistakes that we have made, we have learned from others. And the things that I would like to share with you have grown in that time, um, and they have proven to be effective in our training. So... Imagine this is your church. Are we not looking for a church that is really attracting people from the outside? Like, let's say, like a magnet? Yeah? Attracting people, lost people from the outside to come and stay? If I look to, to the New Testament, especially to the book of Acts, I see that it was a healthy normality that people came into the church. It was nothing unusual. I mean, this is the Lord added daily to the church. Um, and I don't think that God has reserved that to the first century. I think, I mean, the, 
And the Great Commission is just as valid today as it was then. And so we, we should expect that, that conversions in our church um, are really something that, that is normal. But if we are honest, we see it's not as normal as we would like to see it. Isn't that right? And somehow, somehow we have got used, and I speak generally, it may be different in your church, then I'm, I'm happy, but somehow we have got used to the idea or to, to the reality that uh, it's normal if we baptize one or two people per year, if at all. But if I look to the Bible, I see a different picture. And I wonder, what is the difference? And even today, uh, we are speaking about small groups. We could compare two small groups. One that starts and does not attract non-Adventists and dies after some time. And the other one, vibrant and healthy, attracting new people, seeing conversions, and all of them in the same culture, all in the same city. And I wonder, what is the difference? Do you have an idea? What could be the difference between two small groups and the same context, the same city? One is growing, attracting people, experiencing conversion, and the other one dies after some time. What, what might be the difference? Yeah. So you, you talk about prayer, that the fire fire leaves. What else? What else could be a difference between these two kind of groups? You know, we, uh, let me let me add a thought. Um, oftentimes we we hear these mission reports from the third world, and churches are growing in Africa, South America. Wonderful. But we would like to see it in our world too. But even in our, in our world, we see small groups that are growing and small groups that are not growing. So we cannot blame the environment. Oftentimes we say, well, in Africa and South America, people are poor, so they are, they are more open for the gospel. And yeah, it's, in some way it's true. But it's not all the truth. But whenever we see churches or small groups growing in our European culture, we know we cannot blame the culture. There's, there's something else we have to think about. Yes, please. Speak about my own uh, experience. Yes. In my church now, I come from a radical group, grow in a city and make a church. Hmm. But uh, little group from this church don't grow. Huh. We make all the little group, and uh, the difference between the ICD is in the first time uh, we organized a lot of action. Mm -hmm. To go out, to go to people who were in the streets, and uh, uh, and we have all the time for pray mm -hmm. because it was our organization. But when we become a church, uh, all people who come, um, 
Yes, it is. It is. Now, when when we think, when we think about mission, we have to we have to understand there, that there are two levels we are talking about. I want to explain that. One level is what I what I call being. Being, and the other level is doing. This is what we are. This is our heart, our values, our, char our character, our relationship with Jesus. And this is the method that we are using. What do you think? Where, where should we start when we talk about successful small groups? Okay. Yes. 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 Ah, okay. It's not a continuation. It's a review, a, re a rep repetition. Yes. No. No. It, it was just a two-hour workshop. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Yeah, we, we should start here. And I think success about mission, success about a small group, has more to do with the heart, and I'm talking about our values, our character, our relationship with Jesus and among each other. It has more to do with our inner values than with, with our method. Oftentimes, we, we want success in mission, and we just want the right method. Give me the right method that works. You see? But if the heart is not right, if the values are wrong, we spoil the best methods. And on the other hand, if, uh, if this level is right, if you have the right values, the right motivation, um, then we can use many methods successfully. So we, we have to start here. And I think we oftentimes make the mistake we're looking for answers here on that level, the right method. Give me the, the best arguments. Give me the best methods. And I, I think this is the wrong place to start. And so today, I would like, we will talk about methods, yes. We will get very practical in the second part of this workshop. But I think we have to start here. Uh, so where, where, where do we start? Where do we best see the character, the values, the motivation, the relationships, the convictions, all of this belongs to being. Where, we, where do we best see the characteristic of the New Testament church? Where do we best see it? Where, where, where do we go to? Yeah, let's go to Acts, to the book of Acts. You see, um, there are many, many good books about church growth and evangelism, and I'm, I'm not saying we shouldn't read these books. But you know, after reading many, many of these books, I always, I always come back and uh, have to discover I haven't really learned anything new that is not found in the book of Acts. And if you want some more detail, take the book, 
take these uh, three classic books by Ellen White, Evangelism, Gospel Workers, and Christian Service. These are her three classic books about church growth and evangelism. And if you follow, if, if the book of Acts is not clear enough, take these books as a help. They're awesome. Yeah? You, you don't need bookshelves with books on, on these topics. You, you need to take your Bible and these three books, follow these counsels, uh, and you will be successful. It's as easy as that. But today, of course, we don't have time to go through the three books. We just go through a few chapters from the book of Acts. And I want to give you an assignment. That, and we will split up in little groups. After all, it's a small group seminar, so we, we will practice that. And uh, I want to give you one assignment. It's a simple assignment. I am looking for the characteristics of the New Testament church. What are the core values, the, core, the, the most important characteristics of the New Testament church? that contrib contributed to the growth of the church. And I just want you to go through, uh, well, actually two chapters of the Bible. Two chapters. Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2. We, we could continue, we could study the whole, the whole uh, book of Acts, but actually all these principles are just uh, repeated in later chapters. We find everything in the first two chapters of the book of Acts. Now I would like to ask you to split up in small groups, maximum five people. Uh, can we arrange the chairs so we can have small groups? Is it possible? I think a few chairs can be moved. Maybe we can have a, a, a small group here, maybe one there and one there. Yeah, split up. And I want to give you around 15 minutes, around 15 minutes uh, to do that assignment. Did, you, did everybody understand the assignment? Is it clear? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, Jesus says, wait until you are filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, I'm, I'm sure all of you have read verse 8 in chapter 1. In chapter one. Yeah. Yes. You shall receive. receive. Receive what? Power. And what is the consequence? And you will be my witnesses. And you will be my, my witnesses. It's interesting. Um, that, that sequence of these two things comes up again and again in the book of Acts. You shall receive the Holy Spirit, and the consequences, you will be witnesses. Yeah? Look, look out for it. You, you will find many examples of that. Um, but there's still something else that is important for us as Adventists. So they were together, they were waiting for the Holy Spirit, and now in chapter 2, we see the, th the same thing in verse 4. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They were together and with one accord. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And the consequence? And they began to speak, to preach, to witness. See that? They received the Holy Spirit and they begin to witness. Yeah. And that, that may be one reason why many don't receive the Holy Spirit. They don't want to witness. You see? The, the Holy Spirit wants to make us a witness. And if I say, no, 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 I, 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 don't, I, I want to feel well. I want to have nice emotions, good experiences. But if I'm not willing to witness, I, I can never experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit in my life. Okay, and now Peter stands up. Peter stands up and preaches. And it's interesting what he does. 
People are asking, what's going on? And here in verse 16, he says, um, but this is what is spoken of by the prophet Joel. So what is he saying here? He says, look, what, what happened? Huh? Prophecy. That's it. That's it. He says, what happens here has been prophesied long ago. We are a prophetic movement. We have a prophetic calling. They, they knew that God had called them for such a time as this. They knew that they are a prophetic movement. So, a prophetic calling. And let me add this. Uh, just to comment on this. I think we as Adventist Church, we have a prophetic calling. We are, we are not just one church among many. Well, I'm sure we believe we are not the only church that people can, can get salvation through, right? But we are a prophetic movement. God has called us for, for a time as this to, pre to, to prepare people for the second coming. And if we lose this identity, if we say, well, after all, we are, we are not so much different as other churches like Baptists or Evangelicals, it's just the Sabbath, just the other day. Yeah? If we lose the sense of our prophetic calling, we have nothing to say, we are irrelevant, and our small groups cannot, cannot be successful. So this should not make us proud, should make us humble, but we should know what we, are, what we have been called for to do. We should know our message. When we start compromising our message, we can use every, we can, we can even use the best methods, and they will not really work. So we, we, we need that, a clear understanding of who we are, of our identity. But we must, we must never, never, ever separate our identity from, and that's the next point, from our mission. If we separate our prophetic calling, our message, from our mission, what happens then? Say that? Yes, yes. So if we, <laughs> if we separate the two, yeah, if we, if, we, if we do away our prophetic calling, and we just want to be nice to people, but we don't really have something to say. But on the other hand, if we want to have our prophetic calling, yeah, a good conservative Adventist theology, have it straight. But we are not mission-minded. What do we have then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, it's like the Pharisees. They had a strong, a strong theology. It was wrong, right? Uh, but uh, they had a strong identity. We are Abraham's children. They had many rules, lifestyle. Yeah, they were conservative compared to the Sadducees. They were the conservative ones, but they had no burden for lost people. So. When, when we talk about Adventist identity, we must understand that identity is not just what we believe. It's not just having our theology, our theology straight. All of this is, all of this is identity. All of this. Um, and uh, I, I just love it as we, as we find it here. Um, go quickly, go with me to, to chapter, chapter 4. 
um, they arrest Peter and John. They arrest them for preaching about Jesus, and they tell them before the Sanhedrin, don't you ever preach again in the name of Jesus. Don't. And what's their answer? Verse 12. Right? This comes later, but then first verse 12. No, there's no salvation in any other. There's no other name. There's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. I mean, look at their boldness. Look at their boldness. They say, don't you ever preach again about Jesus. And they say, I'm sorry, there's no other name. No, no other name than the name of Jesus. So they had a clear, a clear understanding about the mission, the message of Jesus. A clear understanding. That was their mission. Now, and now it comes to what you, what you said um, here in verse uh, 20. We cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. And then they go back to their church. And the church is praying. What is the church praying for? A revival? Yes. Look at that. Not, not, not yet, not yet. Look, uh, we, we might think that the church is together. That's right. The, the church does not pray, Lord, take away the problems. Take away the persecution. Please help, help us so, so, so the people are nice to us. What, what are they praying? Yeah, they pray for boldness. In verse 29, now Lord, look, look, look on their threats and grant your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. It's so interesting. Yeah? They, they don't look at their problems. It was uh, 29. 29. They, they don't look at their problems. They just ask, Lord, help us to fulfill our commission. To fulfill our mission. We, we take care about your mission and we know you take, rest of, uh, you, you take care of the rest. You see that? So they had their mind on the mission. They were absolutely mission-minded. That's why we are there for. They were not ashamed. They were bold and they, they professed Jesus wherever they were. It was just natural. It, it flew out, out, out of their hearts. In, uh, let's go back to Acts chapter 2. Here in verse, um, in verse 42, we have that classic example. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. Here we have it again. They had the word of God. How often? Steadfastly. Steadfastly. It was not just a good entertainment once in a, once in a while. Yeah? They daily studied the word and they lived, they obeyed the word. And they had fellowship. Now, let's think about the fellowship. What did the fellowship look like? Like Say that again. I said it wouldn't be like our fellowship mention. Okay. So what, what did this fellowship look like in the book of Acts? Yeah, yeah. Talking, sharing, eating together. eating together. Amen. Make a plane. 
Yeah, they, they were eating together. Yeah? Eating together is something that is very often found in the Bible. And it's nothing worldly. Yeah? Eat, eating together, when, when, when God's believers eat together, something happens. So eating in the Bible is important. Remember the story when Moses took up the 70 elders up to the mountain and they made a covenant with God? What did they do? They ate together. Right there up on the mountain. Yeah? So they had fellowship and they cared for each other. You see, here it says uh, they... Um, where do we find it? Verse 44... Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions. You know, that fellowship was not just a Sabbath morning. For two hours, we talk. We talk about the Sabbath school lesson. Then we listen to the sermon. Yeah, we have some superficial conversation. And then we go home. And then everybody lives his own life until they come back together the next Sabbath. Yeah, this is not fellowship. This kind of fellowship is caring, it's sharing, it's really an authentic Christian fellowship. And this is the context in which the church grew. I mean, think about, where, where did they meet? Where, where did they meet? In the homes. In the homes, right. And we, we must remember that uh, there, there was no church building until the 4th century. As long as the church was persecuted in the Roman Empire, they, they could not have a church building. So they were in the homes everywhere. And the temple at times, yes? Yeah, at that time daily, as long as they could. <laughs> it wasn't possible for a long time. Um, but the, the, main, the main part of church life took place in the homes. And now think about it. What do you think? How many leaders did they need? when they had home churches. If you read, well, 5,000 people were baptized. That's amazing. How many home churches is that? I don't know how big these churches were, but they were definitely not 200. They had, there may have been rich church members who could take maybe 80 in their home. But I would, I would say most, most home churches were smaller, 30. Think about how many leaders they needed. So they had, they had an environment that made it, made it easy and necessary to train leaders. So they had many, many, many leaders that had a chance to work. This is important. So there was not a context in a church where you could sit down passively and let others do the job. That was a context where you, you were just part of a church. And that's so important. Now, if we have this, we will grow. If we have a small group that has this characteristic, it will grow, even today. It's possible. Now, when we did that in our, in our school, when we did that for the first time, in our school, and I give them a lot, of more, a lot more Bible verses and definitely more than 15 minutes, so the students sat together for, I think, two hours, and they really went into the Word and found out these characteristics. We, we tried to find a nice picture that helps us to, to remember this. 
Now, in the New Testament, the church is compared to a temple. You know that. Now, in the, in the Old Testament, God said to Moses, build this tabernacle after the similitude of the picture I have shown you on the mountain. So, the tabernacle on, the, on, on earth should be a little model of the true sanctuary in heaven. And I would suggest that it's the same in the New Testament. The temple in the New Testament should be after the image that God has shown us from heaven. And then it will grow. Okay. Now, let me draw a picture of a temple. Um, this is a foundation. A good temple needs a good foundation. And then, it has a roof. And then it has pillars. And we wrote down seven values, seven values of the church. And you understand, you understand uh, what I'm talking about when I talk about values? What is a value? Can you define what a value is? It's like a belief? Yeah. It's a foundation, yes. We all have values deep in our hearts. Yeah? And they determine everything that we do. They determine our thoughts. They determine our motivation. They determine our wishes. They determine our convictions. They determine everything that we do. So one of the most effective ways to change your life is to change your values. And it's interesting. Whenever, whenever a person came to Christ, Christ changed the values of these persons. And so he changed the whole life. And it's the same with the church. When we want to uh, see changes, significant changes in our churches, in our small groups, we need to talk about the values. So the values is what we are deep, deep inside, deep in our hearts. This is our character. Okay, the first value is, and we have called it uh, based on the Bible. Now, when, when we now talk about these seven values, you must understand, you can understand these values regarding your own personal life, regarding your family, regarding your church, or regarding your small group. Today I want to think about these values in regard to our small group. And let me ask you a question. Um, when a small group says, this is our value, we are based on the Bible, what does that practically mean for a small group? We are based on the Bible. What does that value mean? That every member's life is based on the Bible? What else? Yeah, we study the Bible. What else? Yes, the Bible is our authority. So we, we study the Bible and we live by the Word. So what we, what we believe and how we believe is based on the Bible. We, we don't doubt the Bible. The Bible is the highest authority. 
Yeah? But whenever you start doubting things in the Bible, you, you enter a dangerous ground and you lose the power of your strength. Yeah? So this is a very foundational value based on the Bible. The second value is dependent on Christ. Dependent. Is it with A or E? Dependent. I'm not sure. Dependent on Christ. Okay. Let me ask the same question. What does that value mean for, for the context of the small group? Please. If the values don't carry the mission, nothing can carry the mission. So when we talk about success and mission, we must talk about this identity. This is what we are. This is what drives us, what we are in the, in the inner part of our hearts. Now, you can compare, you can take these, these values and apply them to your own personal life. And ask yourself the question, how far do you live according to these values? But don't be discouraged. None of us is uh, at 100%. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus was the only one who was at 100%. But the thing is, uh, the, the most important question is, where are we growing? Where are we moving? Is this the goal that we have? Are we growing in that direction? And ask yourself the question about your church. How far is your church based on the Bible? A place of prayer dependent on Christ. How far is it focused on seekers? How about fellowship? And sometimes you... You may say, <clears throat> well, my church, if I'm honest, if I talk about fellowship, we are maybe here. Focused on seekers, mm, well, here, see what I mean? Yes. How can we evaluate? Well, you cannot evaluate this by numbers. But you, you, you can, if, if you think about your church and you ask yourself the question, is my church really focused on, on reaching out to lost people? Maybe you think of a few church members who are. But uh, if your church is normal, most church, members, most church members are not. And then you know that there's a lot of room to grow. So the question is, when we come home to our church or to our small group and we say, well, we really want to nurture these values. What can we do? Please don't go. Don't go back to your church and say, well, I've just been at GYC. I heard something. Now I know where we are going, and I tell you where we are going. This does not work. This just doesn't work. But I would like to introduce a way to you that helps us to grow these values in the context of a small group. And this is what I call discipleship groups. Everything of this has to do with discipleship. This is what Jesus did with his disciples. If you think about it, how, how did Jesus work? Jesus started a small group. He had fellowship. And he, together with his disciples, they, they were focused on, on, on seekers, definitely. And they were committed to spiritual growth and they were active in training, and they were together in service. Of course, they were based on the Bible and dependent on Christ. Yeah. This is how Jesus trained his disciples. 
And if you want to grow in discipleship, this is the way. Now, I would like to, to introduce to you the, the pathway of discipleship. What is that? A pathway of discipleship. Now, look, if someone finds to Christ, he studies the Bible, right? He studies the Bible, and there's, and at, at, at some point, he turns around and becomes converted. So, I, I love symbols. I love using symbols also in my Bible. So when, whenever I find a Bible text about the Word of God, I make this little symbol. Or when I find a topic about conversion, then I make this little symbol yeah, in my Bible. Okay, so, and this is, and maybe then he becomes baptized. Yeah, this is my symbol for baptism. Okay, is he now a disciple at, the, at that point? Is he a disciple? Yes or no? Who said Yeah, you should be a disciple, right? So re remember, what, what does the word disciple mean? Follow of Jesus. Well, but the word disciple in its root just means pupil, student. So when, 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 my, when my, I have two sons who go to school now, first grade, third grade, and uh, when, when they started their first day in grade one, were they students? Were they pupils? Of course they were. Yeah, they haven't learned much yet, but they are students. So a disciple does not mean to have, have reached perfection in all these values. It means to grow and start learning, to become a learner in the school of Christ. So the first stage in that discipleship pathway is to become a converted Christian. converted Christian. This is the first stage. But now, we have a lot of good programs, material, to lead people to baptism. Don't we? There's many, many good Bible study material. Uh, but what most, what most of the time happens is that after they have been baptized, they get no more Bible studies because the goal is reached. Yeah, they get a few flowers, they come out of the water, they get a book, good wishes. I hope you survive in the church. Yeah. Uh, but is that all that Jesus meant when he said, go ye and make disciples? No, definitely not. There's so much more. So what is the next step? Encourage them to grow. Yeah, right? Yeah, right. Then the next step is spiritual growth, of course. It happens all the time, yeah? but just to make it simple. So the, the second, the second uh, station, let me put it this way, on the discipleship pathway is a mature Christian. A mature Christian. Okay. Is there another step? Now he learns how to study the Bible, how to have personal devotion, how to pray, how to overcome 
Is there more to learn? Yes. You just do it. I, I believe people, somebody was praying for mm -hmm. me, you know, I believe mm -hmm. that the Holy Spirit lead me to do all what, I want, mm -hmm. what I'm doing. But he asked me, can you teach that? I said, how can I teach if nobody even teach me? Mm -hmm. well, it's very difficult. So that's why I mean, that's why we are here. Help somebody to grow spiritually. How can I? Because me, I just tell them, watch what I watch. Well, there's so much to learn, and there's a way to, to learn and to teach these things. I will, I will come to this in a minute. Yeah? So the next, the next step in the discipleship, discipleship pathway from a converted Christian to a mature Christian to... A missionary and a worker. Missionary and a worker. So, how does Ellen White put it? Every true disciple is born into the kingdom as a missionary. Every true disciple is born into the kingdom of God as a missionary. So, Here he points people to God with a Bible in his hand, okay? So, he points people to God. He becomes a missionary. But there's, there's one, one more phase, one, one more step in the discipleship pathway. What is that? Yes, to make disciples. And this, this is what I call um, a leader and a trainer. And uh, he leads others. He leads others. Leads others. Look, a, a missionary can lead someone to Jesus. A missionary can even lead someone to grow. But it needs a leader and a trainer to lead someone to become a missionary and to become... Huh, a leader and a trainer. And I think when we talk about leader, we shouldn't just talk about the ordained church elder. I think every, every father, every mother is a leader in their home. Yeah, so we should have a broader sense of leadership. And it's so important to understand the biblical principles of leadership. Now, when, when we look at our churches, we know usually how many members we have on the books, right? We know usually how many, how many of these members usually regularly attend church service. We know that. Okay, so we know how many attending members do we have. But uh, how many of these attending members are converted Christians? How many are mature Christians with a living relationship with Jesus on a daily basis. How many 
missionaries and workers do we have in our church? And you see the number gets smaller and smaller. And I think the most important thing that we can do to our church is help having more missionaries, workers, leaders, and trainers. You see, if a, if a church has missionaries and leaders and trainers, they can do without a pastor. No problem. They will, they will survive. They will flourish. But if they, if they don't have that, and what was the prayer request of Jesus? He says, pray the Lord of the harvest that he may send workers into the harvest. So Jesus says, this is a lack. Jesus does not pray for the harvest. Now, how can we help people grow on that discipleship pathway? And you know, th this, is, this is the way that we, that we nurture and uh, yeah, nurture these, these seven values. This happens on the discipleship pathway, step by step. It grows. It grows like a plant. It doesn't happen overnight, but it grows. How can we do that? <clears throat> and now I would like to, to show you a concept that has developed at the Josiah Mission School, and that's the concept of a discipleship group. What is that, a discipleship group? Now, look, here again, we have a church. So a discipleship group is a group inside the church. doesn't mean inside the church building. Yeah, they can meet in the homes. Uh, but they are, they are a group of Adventists who have committed to go on that pathway of discipleship together. They have committed to meet once a week for a discipleship group meeting for 90 minutes, around 90 minutes. Can be a little more. Yeah. They have committed to meet and to study topics on discipleship on, on these different stages. Now, and uh, on, the, on, the, on the mission school, we, we knew from day one that we have to include discipleship. And it was interesting. We, we started uh, with, with having the first few days uh, having block classes on discipleship, which was good. It was a good beginning, but soon we realized uh, it's, it's far from being enough. I mean, discipleship growing, it's, it's, it happens day by day. It doesn't happen in a week. So we felt, well, we need continual classes. Every week we need a discipleship class. And it was better, but then I felt, well, we need fellowship. We, need, we have to study discipleship in the context of a small group. And so we started dividing our students in three discipleship groups. And it was even, that, that was even better. But I was looking for a good Adventist discipleship curriculum that, that I could use. And as far as I could see in the German and English-speaking Adventist world, I did not find an, an Adventist discipleship curriculum. I had good material from other churches. You can learn some. They have good material. But I thought to myself, discipleship is something that is at the core of Revelation 14. Here it says, they follow the lamb wherever it goes. So it's, it, it must be embedded in the Adventist message. And so I was, I was looking for a discipleship curriculum that teaches discipleship in the context of the Adventist message. And I didn't find it, so I started writing one. And I would like to introduce that discipleship curriculum to you. It has four modules. 
four. The first module is that stage. And I call it Jesus, my life. Jesus, my life. And Jesus, my life contains 15 topics that are centered around the cross. So different, different topics that explain what, what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? What does it mean to experience salvation? We talk about assurance of salvation. We talk about repentance, about forgiveness. Ma many different topics that have to do with the, with the process of conversion. And you may say, well, I'm already baptized. I don't need that. Well, I would like to encourage you to reconsider that because we all need to grow in these foundational issues. We have never graduated from that. There's always room to grow. Because I, I oftentimes see see people in the church that they are plagued with doubts because they, they don't really have assurance of salvation. And it's so important. If you don't know that you are saved, there's no way that you can grow. So we need a true biblical understanding of uh, assurance of salvation. And we talk about that here. And these topics, they are really deep. They are not superficial. They are not on a level that you would teach in a Bible study. There, there you make it simple. In uh, a discipleship lesson. We really dig deep. And I want to show you what it looks like. This is a folder. This is uh, module one. Yeah? 15 topics. And there you can have a look at this and you can download it on the internet too. And they always look, I'll just show you one page. Yeah? Um, it has uh, Bible texts, appropriate Bible texts, questions about the Bible. Uh, it has appropriate quotes from Ellen White. I tell you, she has, she has a lot to say about discipleship. A lot. She, she shows, or she, she draws such a beautiful picture of what it means to follow Jesus in every phase of the Christian walk. It's just beautiful. And so I've included these, these quotes in here. Uh, they are just a blessing. And then there are many, many yeah, questions for application. What does it mean? And the idea is this. Everybody gets this folder in advance. And so they study the lesson at home. And when we come together as a discipleship group, we don't study the lesson from the first to the last letter. We just focus on the application. So these lessons are not designed to be taught in the discipleship group and you go through every word, through every Bible text. No. They are there to be studied at home. You, you study it, you think about it, you pray about it. And then we come together and we talk about the main points but then we focus on how we can apply these things that we have learned. Application. Yeah. So, this is what we do here. And, uh, like I said, we start with module one. The second module is called With Jesus Ahead. And this is about yeah, how to grow, how to grow in my relationship with Jesus. It talks about how to be filled with the Holy Spirit, talks about quiet time, about Bible study, about prayer, different topics about prayer. It talks about how to, how to have a victorious Christian life, how to experience change of character, how to know the will of God. Um, and by now I'm done with, with 12 topics. Yeah, one day it will be 15, but by now I've finished 12 of module two. I'm still working on them. So, the next stage, be a missionary and a worker, this is module three. 
which is called my life for Jesus. So we progress from Jesus my life to with Jesus ahead to my life for Jesus. And now we start now we start the training. Training how to give Bible studies, how to share your faith among your friends, friendship evangelism. We talk about how to how to have an evangelistic small group. And you know, I, I did this kind of training many times. And oftentimes I was frustrated because I taught the saints how to give Bible studies, but hardly anyone rose and did it. I taught them how to have a small group, but somehow I never had a, I, I never had a breakthrough. And I was frustrated, and I was thinking about what's, what's the difficulty. And then I realized, I, I presupposed that these things are already clear. And then I realized I cannot presuppose that. We have to step back and talk about, among ourselves, what it means to have a saving relationship with Jesus, what it means to grow. And on that basis, we can talk about different ways to reach people. But if we don't have that basis, it just doesn't make sense to give them the tools. They don't work. So, and this, this is what happens here. And now the last module is called Leaders for Jesus. And this talks about um, biblical leadership. What does it mean to be a leader according to the Bible? And it teaches how to start a small group, how to start a discipleship group, actually. How can we multiply disciples? How can we start the whole process again? Now, this process may take you a year, one and a half years, depends how much time you need. Um, but it's, it's, it's a longer process. It doesn't happen in four weeks. It's not a weekend seminar, you know. Oftentimes we want to have it quick. Yeah, give me a quick solution. But I have to tell you, there, there are no quick solutions. And you know, God's method of growth always looks like this. Not always, but often. Yeah, see, oftentimes we have to be patient, 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 patient. We don't see much difference. Now we have been meeting for nine months and no, no, no person converted. All right? This is how, how God's method of growth oftentimes looks like. So what do we do? We come together as a discipleship group. We meet for 90 minutes. The first thing that we, that we do is fellowship. Um, that can mean that we, some may prefer um, starting with a the, with the meal, which is a good idea. If it, if it fits into the time schedule, that we come together and we eat together. Uh, let me tell you, eating together creates, creates an atmosphere of fellowship um, as I have hardly seen in other places. We, we just started this school year to implement that idea in our, in our small groups, in our evangelistic small groups. We start with a common meal. It's a simple meal, yeah, but we start to eat together. And I tell you, this, this atmosphere is also so friendly for visitors. Yeah? It helps you to be relaxed, to talk about your week. It's, it's, it's a great time of fellowship. But whether you start eating together or, or you, you, you just talk about how, you, how your week is and you, you share what's going on in your life, 
There is not one right way. You just have to adapt it to your circumstances. But it's important to have fellowship. So we come together for fellowship. And then we have something. <laughs> we have a memory verse. Um, I think I'm convinced that uh, learning Bible verses by heart is an important tool for spiritual growth. I have hid your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Psalm 115, verse 11. So, and, and the Bible talks a lot about committing God's word to memory, but we hardly do it. So, in every lesson, we have a memory verse. And uh, how many of you have, have ever learned a Bible verse by heart? Okay. How many of you have learned a Bible verse by heart and forgot it four weeks later? Okay. Welcome to the club. Me too. Now, would it, would it not be great to find a way to learn Bible passages? Let's start with Bible verses. And really have them in our, in our long-term memory? It's possible. It's possible. There is a good way. And we, we have such a, such a good way. Let me quickly, quickly show it to you. We have these little packages yeah, with uh, little index cards. And uh, what do we do? We take an index card. So every week, with every topic, we have one new verse. Sometimes it's two verses, because they just belong together. Uh, so you write down the reference, where do we find it, and you write down the date. When do you start? On the, on the other side, you write down the passage, and again the reference. Can you see it? So, and uh, then you put it here, in this little package, and you have it with you wherever you go. So, and you are committed to review your Bible texts at least once a day. This is, the, this is the goal. Once a day, you take the Bible, you take it out, okay, and you memorize it. You, you, you say it out loud or, or silently, uh, but you, you repeat it once a day. What do you think? How many days do you need uh, until you can say it without a mistake, without looking? One day. One day? Yeah. Maybe one week, depends on the verse. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, depends. All right. It, it doesn't really take long to have it correct in our short-term memory. But it takes, about, it takes about two months to really have it in our long-term memory. So for two months, we take the Bible verse every day. Now, after two months, you do the following thing. After two months, it, it, it's really in there. It's really in there. You take that card out and put it in a little box. And that little box you can take maybe once a month or every six weeks. And you take your, your little stack and you go through it what, just once, just once. Yeah? To send the information to your brain, still needed. Yeah? Because if you learn something which is never needed, some, usually one day it's forgotten. So by taking that every four to six weeks, you send the signal to your brain, still need it, and then it's still there. So, after two months, you take one out, and you take one in. So usually you have eight or nine cards like this that you review every day. What do you think? How much time do you need to review, to repeat, 
eight or nine Bible verses. How much, day do you need, how much time do you need per day? What do you say? Ten minutes? Five? It's five or less. Sometimes I go on a prayer walk, and I have my cards with me. I just take it out. Two minutes, I'm done. Yeah? Because once, once you have learned it, once you have it in your short-term memory, it's easy to say it once. Yeah, look at it. I, I, I say it once. Yeah? Some, just ten seconds per verse. It depends on the verse. Yeah? But it's easy to do it. There's just one key. And this key is continuity. And there's a second key, um, accountability. And that we have in the small group. Because we do it together, we commit to do this together. And so we have around five minutes in which we review our memory verses. And it's a fun thing to do. You can find creative ways to, to do it together. Yeah, there's more than one right way. Okay. So we have this, and then we come to the lesson. We come to the lesson. We study the lesson that we have studied at home. We go through it and we focus where? On what? On application. Yeah, we focus on application. What are we going to do with what we have learned? What does it mean in our everyday life? You know, we as Adventists, we are very good talking about doctrine on a level that has nothing to do with our lives. This is not what we want to do here. We talk about, yeah, of course, it's, it's, all, it's also doctrine. It's a teaching of the Bible. But we talk about it in a way that really brings it home to our heart and home to our everyday life. So we talk about repentance and forgiveness, and we make it practical. We make it practical, very practical. Yeah? And you see, this is also a place to, to share your, your trials, your failures, your struggles. Where, where's, where in the church do we have a place where someone can say, um, you know what, can you please pray for me? I really have struggles with um, smoking. Or I have struggles with pornography. Is there, is there a place in the church where we can have that kind of fellowship that, that creates, that creates uh, an environment that is safe to share? Of course, these things must be kept confidential, of course. But a, a discipleship group can be a place for that. And I think we need open, we need this openness, yeah? where we can share our struggles. So when, when, we, when we go through the lesson and cover or, or focus on the application, this is a place where we say, you know what? I really struggle with my personal devotions. I just can't make it to get up in the morning. And you know, a group is a place where we can help each other. Hey, do you want me to call you at 5.30? If you give me permission, I will call you at 5.30. Yeah, I, I, will, help you, I will help you to get up. So we, we support each other. You know, the, Bi the Bible says <laughs> the, the, Bi the Bible says that we should encourage each other, that we should uh, support each other, that we should just be there for each other. Yeah, it's, it's so important. So, and then we have the part of mission. So, that doesn't mean that for 10 hours, for, for 10 minutes we go out and knock on doors, but it means that we have a prayer list. We have a prayer list with people that we pray for and work for. This is important. We pray for them and we work for them. So it, 
it can be friends. You know, every, every normal adult has around 200 people that he knows by name. Most of them have more. Yeah? So we have a network of relationships. And now, we, you know, when, when we talk about mission, we don't focus on the people that we don't know. We focus on the people that we do know. People that we, that, that we know, that know us, that maybe appreciate us, family members, friends, colleagues, and we put them here on our list. And so we pray for them, not just in the group meeting, but we take the prayer list back home. We pray for them in our personal devotions. We pray for them, and then we ask God to show us a way, what, what can we do to, to win their hearts? What can we do to lead them one little step further? And there's a thousand ideas what we can do. And here in module three, we have uh, actually four topics on friendship evangelism. Four topics that help us to, to really win friends for Jesus. You see, mission work should be fun. Mission work should not be something when you are glad that it's over. Whew, done again. No, it, it, should be, it should be fun, it should be natural. This is friendship evangelism. And we learn, it, we, we learn this. But from day one, we, we have that little mission window in our meeting where we talk about friends. So you must understand this. Uh, mission doesn't only start when we come here to module three. It starts from day one in that little window. So we write down names, we pray for them, and we, we think together and we ask God for ideas. And there are so many ideas what we can do. There's so much that we can do. Yeah? One of the easiest things is to remember birthdays. No one has ever complained when he got good wishes for his birthday. Yeah? But there's, there's so many ideas to be attentive and to, to reach the hearts of the people. And Ellen White writes, our success in reaching people does not depend on our abilities and accomplishments, but on our ability to reach the heart. Reach the heart. And we think about, how can we reach the heart? So this is a mission window for maybe 10, 15 minutes. And then we have time for prayer. And when we pray, of course, we pray for these people, but we also pray for each other. We pray for our own needs. Yeah? This is what a discipleship group looks like. Now, I, I understand. You have a question over there? Please, please ask your question, no problem. Here? Leaders for Jesus. Leaders for Jesus. Now, I understand that uh, this two-hour workshop is far from being enough to cover this topic. But I would like to give you resources where you can continue to learn about discipleship groups. Um, one is the website of the Josiah Mission School. Let me write down the website. Josiah, Josiah, without an H, hyphen, can you read it, Josiah Missionsschule, 2S.de, the discipleship curriculum uh, is currently being, being translated to English. There's a, a good number of topics already available. So if you go here to the, to the headline Jüngerschaft, which is discipleship, 
you will find the English topics. Just click on that, and you will, you will see. Huh? J, and then it's, uh, it's U with, it's the German letter. You don't have it in English, with, with two little dots. Uh, and then N, G, R, uh, E, R. And then S, H, uh, S, C, H, A, F, T. Yeah, but you will see it there. Yeah. And there's, there's a second thing. Uh, if, you, if you use Dropbox, I can add you to the Dropbox file because I have my discipleship topics in a Dropbox. And whenever I change something, you have the up-to-date version on your computer too. Yeah, so if you, I, I, would say, I will give you my email address. You just send me an email, and then I can add you to the Dropbox. That's, that's an easy way. So my email address is uh, Michael. And then my last name. Michael. <laughs> so it's Michael Dernbrack at adventisten.de. Like Adventist plus an E and an N. Dot de. Yeah, this is my email address. Um, and there's one more website I would like to recommend if you want to study about, um, about small groups. Maybe you have heard about um, the Gateway Adventist Center in Melbourne. It's the fastest growing Adventist church in Australia. And they really, they really live these principles and they work with small group, groups very successfully. And they are growing by leaps and bounds in a, in a secular context yeah, that is very much similar to Europe. Yeah, Melbourne is, is not an easy city. Yeah. So, and that website is Gateway GatewaySDA.org. And here you find a lot of resources, training videos, training material, yeah, a lot of very, very good material. Okay. Please, please. Uh, how long do you, uh, do you take this lesson? Or this discipleship? Yeah. Um, um, 15 topics, so one, one topic per week. Uh, right now, 12 topics, around 15 topics, and maybe, maybe eight topics. If it's one, one topic, how, long do you, uh, how much time do you need for each? One week. We have one. Oh, I mean, 90 minutes, 90 minutes, one hour, two hours. Do you mean in, this, in a discipleship meeting? Yes. Uh, we, okay. Um, let, let's say around, so, so fellowship is around, let's say, 15 minutes. Memory verse, just five minutes. And then we have maybe 35 minutes for the lesson. To 35 to 40 minutes. It, it depends. You have to be flexible. And then around uh, 10 to 15 minutes for mission and 10 to 15 minutes for prayer. That, around that adds up to around 90 minutes. Yes. But you find all that information. I have, I have, three, I have different topics here. Uh, if you go here or if, you, if I add you to my discipleship uh, Dropbox, um, you have one folder that is called a training for discipleship groups. 
and there you have all the details, everything. Please. Yes. Okay. X. Excellent question. Okay. When 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 you go when you go home, don't try to enlist the whole church into the program. It obviously does not work. Yeah. Ask God to give you one or two or three people you can start with. Maybe four, maybe five, but you usually not more. Yeah. Ask the Lord to show you and then talk to them personally. This is how, how I do it. And yes, then I explain the concept. And I ask them to think about it and pray about it. I print out a few lessons for them so they can get a picture. Yeah? I show what, what is the expectation, what we want to do, what we want to achieve. I explain the concept to them. Not as detailed maybe as, as today, yeah? but the broad ideas. First in my group, yes. Because the best training, the best training for people is to go through this pathway together. And then after a year or one and a half years, depends how much time you need, then you can split up and have two groups. Yes. But start small. Remember to start small. Yeah. Jesus started small. He just had 12 people. He could have had more. Yeah. But all these details are explained in these topics, training on discipleship groups. Yes. And many more questions are covered there. Please. Did you ever think of um, inviting non-Adventists Okay. Basically, it's only to train Adventists. Um, there may be a, a non-Adventist that is already pretty close to the church that you can safely invite. But I would say that the, the level is very high. It's a high level. It's a high level of commitment. And the, the lessons... They are not just ABC, they are a high level. They have a high level. Um, but uh, you see, when, when the time is over, and let, let me close with that thought, uh, you can split up and have two groups, or you can say, our group becomes the core of an outreach Bible study group. So then we open up for visitors, for the people we have prayed for and worked for. Now we invite them to our group. So, and this is, this is how you should start, I think, a small group. Because when you, when you go through that process, you really understand the values. You agree about the values. It's, it's so much easier to, to start then a small group because the, the basic, the basis is clear and solid. Yeah? And you have grown together as a group. You have prayed for these people. You have worked for them. 
Yeah, it's, it's so much easier to start a small group than, than just start it from the scratch. So the idea is you're working eight volunteers to prepare mm -hmm. your leaders, mm -hmm. and those yes. Yes. But yet you have to be flexible. Uh, you, you may have very mature Christians in your church that are willing to join. You see, when they are really willing, when they are really mature, and they maybe already are missionaries, then you can make the program shorter. You have to adapt it to your needs. You can say, well, I take the, the, the most important five topics from module one, and then five topics from module two, and then we focus on this. Yeah? You have to adapt it to your circumstances. Mm -hmm. Then I would rather have it longer. Yes. Because otherwise I lose the other ones. Or maybe I do. All right. I think our time is up. Thank you very much. You have been very attentive. I hope that you could get something out of it that you can use when you go back to your home churches. Um, it's, it remains a challenge. I don't say it's easy. But I say it's possible if you follow God's plan. Shall we pray together? Let's stand. Well, today we have struggled with the question how we can lead, success, successfully lead people to you. We have talked about the values that we find in the New Testament. And Lord, we so much want to ask you that you will write these values, your law, into our heart. That we really desire to have these values and live according to these values. And we ask you that you will equip us and empower us to serve you and to help other people to grow in their, in their pathway of discipleship. Thank you, Lord, for being with us here. Thank you for teaching us. In your precious name we pray. Amen. This message was recorded through a partnership between GYC and GYC Europe at the 2012 conference in Linz, Austria. GYC is supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church seeks to inspire young people to be vibrant, Bible-based, and Christ-centered Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org.